So 2018 is on the way. Yeah, on the way. We're in 18, right? 2008 is underway, right? Underway, underway on the way. We're in it, right? So how are you guys doing so far? Are there battles already? Okay. My point being, didn't take very long, did it? No. So it's uh, the 14th. So 14 days in, and who's already experienced some spiritual fighting they've had to do? And okay, so just about everybody's had some spiritual fights. That's good. And besides the fact that we are fasting and praying, um, is going to bring that on a little more. Because whenever you press into God and start doing spiritual disciplines in your life, you should expect a little backlash from the enemy. The enemy's not, I mean, if the enemy just kind of, oh, they're praying, oh, I better run in my cave and never come out, right? Are you with me? The, the, an enemy in, in warfare would never do that. Actually, when you start fighting is when <clears throat> sometimes the fighting gets more intense back. So uh, I want us to, to think today about why we fight. You know, we've, <clears throat> we took a little break from our um, our spiritual armor series, and I told you we'd get back into that, and we're going to get back into that today. And we started off, I remember in December, um, with the helmet of salvation, and then we talked about the belt of truth, and then we took uh, Christmas off, and we had three weeks of different stuff here. But um, we're going to get back and finish that series because I believe it's essential for you as a Christian to not only be aware of the tactics of the enemy, but, but you've got to learn how to fight. You've got to learn how to fight spiritually because it is a spiritual discipline. It's kind of like learning a new language. You know, you have to, it, it takes work and effort. You just don't get to, you don't pop into uh, France and then all of a sudden you speak French, right? There's effort. It doesn't happen that way. You get saved. You just don't pop into salvation and all of a sudden automatically know how to wield your sword, and really fight in the spirit, because that is the reality realm. What you see right now is not true reality. Think about that. This body is just a shell that's going to die and become worm food one day. I'm going to get a resurrected one, but as far as this shell right now, our spirit is the real person, but we live in this body, we have a mind, and that spirit man is where the, you know where the central part of us is, and we got to be alert on that. We got to fight. Not we've we've read it a bunch of times here in this church since I've been here. We don't battle against flesh and blood. Our fight isn't against each other, but it is against. And a lot of times we you know we oh it's not against flesh and blood, so yeah, that's good, but it's only good with the whole sentence. Your battle's not, but your battle is against a spiritual kingdom of darkness. So you have to get that in your minds. And what I've found over the years that I've pastored and been in church, that it's, and, and even in myself, it's easy for us to fall back into our default mold, mold, uh, mode of let's just concentrate on my life, make me happy, you know, the physical thing. I got a job, I want to have 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. We get, it's natural for us to fall back into the thinking that, that there is, that, that battle's pretend, it's not really there, right? Because a lot of Christendom says, hey, get saved, get your fire insurance, you, you know, because you're going to, we're all going to die, we know that, but this whole lifetime we spend, you know, not focusing on what is true and what is real for us, and I want to remind us before we get back into today, we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness, I want to remind us. 
See, that's what I need more of. I need people cheering. What? No, I'm kidding. I thought that was, oh, I heard it. Yeah. Woo! Game day. Ready to punch the devil in the face. Um, <clears throat> I want to remind you today why we fight. So on your notes there, I've, I've, we're going to discuss four quick things before we get into the armor again. But I want to remind you because if we talk about the armor, it's not really good unless you know the reasons why behind what Paul's giving us this armor for, what it's useful for, how it, what, uh, what uh, secret codes it gives us, and how it can help us live a more victorious life. So we need to know why we fight. What are we fighting for? And I want to I propose to you today that we are fighting for the promises of God in our lives. <clears throat> if you think about that, it is a fight to believe God that he's going to come through. We know he's going to come through his word, but there is that waiting period. And during that waiting period, it is a fight. I don't care. And I've prayed with a few people today about healing. And there is a spiritual fight to claim and, and get your healing from God. Amen. It is a spirit. If, if it was, if there wasn't a fight, well, there'd be no one sick around there, wouldn't there? Would there? But there is a fight. Why? Because our natural status, our default mode is to rely on us and doctors and what we have. Oh, if I feel, if I used to get a cold, our first reaction is to, we'll take some pills or go to the doctor, right? That's our first response. When our, our, our first response should be when we feel out of alignment from what God's word says, our first response would be like, hey, God, I don't feel in alignment with your word because your word declares you know, that you've healed me. And that's, that's abundantly clear, Old and New Testament. There's really no argument there. I mean, you could argue, but really the, the context is super clear that when Christ died on the cross, he, not, he didn't just pay for your sins, but he took on your infirmity. He took on your weakness and your sickness. So <clears throat> we have to be clear that uh, we have to fight for that, guys. It's a battle. And so when you're believing for healing and you have, feel a symptom still there or coming up, what are you going to do? Are you going to fight for that, or are you going to give and go, oh, I guess it didn't work. My foot hurts. My ankle hurts. My, I'm still congested. I still have this symptom. Or are you going to go, no, remember we talked about faith on New Year's Eve. We talked about faith is not denying what reality is. It's looking to a higher realm or a power, right? So we're not denying that something isn't there, but we're saying God's higher than that, bigger than that. We're going to trust in him. Amen? Are you with me? <clears throat> so there's a fight for that. There's a fight for marriages, um, too, relationships, to, to get along and to truly become one and to truly get along and have good relationships in the church and in, in our communities. There's a fight for that. Amen? Come on. We got to forgive. How many times? 77 times? I mean, man, we can't even get the one forgive down, let alone seven, you know, and that's each day, right? So, it takes a fight to get yourself and your thinking and your mind in alignment with God's word so that you can live that abundant life. So you can live like God. God wants you to live like he lives. He wants you to talk like he talks. Because he, aren't we supposed to all supposedly want to be like our dads, right? Right? Little kids, they all want to grow up. Now, I know that's, we had some dysfunctional dads in our times and all that. But I'm telling you, the heavenly father, we should all go, I want to be just like Papa. 
and we, we need to talk and act like him. And so this fighting that I get into, I, I want you to realize we are fighting for the promises of God. Ready? Let's get into one. So the fight <coughs> is for what God has capital already done. So remember when you're fighting, remember when we get into this armor and you're, you're thinking back on the armor later this year and you're thinking about what you learned with all these different pieces and what they mean and how they can help you fight better and how they can help you win and be, uh, be, a, be a champion. Remember that the reason we fight, the things we're fighting for, is that what God has already done. And if we can get that truth and that principle in our hearts, that when we're believing God, we're trying to walk in faith for God and stuff, we're doing it about something he's already accomplished. A lot of us are in a uh, survival mode, and we're waiting, oh yeah, I just got to barely make it through life, and one day I'm going to get to heaven, then it's going to be all great and awesome. Well, it is going to be great and awesome, but you can't just default mode and go, I'm just going to let everything come my way, and I'm not going to stand up against anything, and if it's in my life, I guess it's supposed to be, right? I mean, come on, guys. It, sometimes we think that even about uh, problems in marriage, our financial situation, our, our job situation. I, kn I know people that have um, struggled getting jobs their whole life, and they just think, and, and working and stuff, and they think, man, it, this is just me. It's just, they, they haven't got it in their minds that, wait a minute, God has already provided for you. There's a blockade in your way. If you're not experiencing walking in God's light of his word, there's something blocking that or hindering you from seeing what you should and how you should walk. Are you with me, guys? Because we're fighting for something God has already done. You know, we, see, we saw that in the promised land. Remember when they went in the promised land in Numbers uh, 3350, in the end, uh, 50, uh, verse 53 of Numbers 33, it says, uh, he said, take possession of the land and settle it, for God said, I have given you the land. I have, it's already yours. Was it theirs? It was. But were they in it and living in it? Not yet. So they didn't, they weren't in the land, but it was theirs. They weren't possessing the land, but they had it possessed, right? They were the possessors of the land. It was given, right, deed, everything was theirs. But they had to go in and ask their neighbors to leave? They had to take it. They had to forcefully take what God had promised them. Think about that, guys. You're fighting for stuff that God's already done. You don't have to talk God into healing you. You don't have to talk God into providing for your needs and giving you a raise at work and giving you blessings at work. You don't have to ask God to bring healing to a relationship. You don't have to ask God if he wants to help you get out of the depression you're in. Or you don't have to ask God and say, hey, God, are, do you want me to have suicide? You know, are you with me? I, I'm trying to be brought over the spectrum here, but we all fight stuff. But if you're going, God, will you do this for me? You're asking the wrong question. Are you, are you with me, guys? Because it's already done. And if you're going, oh, God, please heal me, you're starting off with the wrong brick in the foundation, and you're building your whole house on a faulty foundation. And that's going to breed in complete doubt and unbelief. You're going to build a, a, a house of doubt if you build on the wrong stone. So we've got to believe that God already has it for us. And we've got to take his word serious. We've got to take his word serious, and we've got to take the work of Jesus serious. 
I said it before here, and it's worthy to say again, if your son or daughter went and gave their life up, wouldn't you hope that the people they gave their life up for took full advantage of that life? I mean, come on. Take full advantage. God wants us to. You're not being greedy. You're not taking advantage of God because he wants you to take advantage of all that Christ did. He desires you to walk in that. Number two, a principle that why we're fighting is this type of fighting will not come easy. It goes against your flesh and your natural instincts. I want you to know going in with this armor and how, how these theories on how to fight that these are tough. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to work for it. Salvation is free, guys. It is. It's a free gift. And most of you here that have confessed Christ as Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that God raised him up from the dead, if you've done that, you're born again. You're going to heaven. How do you want to spend the rest of your life before you get to heaven? is up to you. And it's not, just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have to fight. It actually means you got to fight a little harder. But why is God doing that? You can... Thank you. Teach us. Preparing us. Getting us ready for something. He's not just trying to put rules in your life so you have someone in control over you. God is preparing you for something big, guys. And it's called heaven. It's called ruling and reigning with Christ from this earth forever with recreated bodies on a recreated world and living and working with God. It's going to be spectacular. And this is why we fight. We're not just fighting so that we can have a comfortable little life and have all our needs met here. Those things will be done. And sometimes we get a little more focused on Oh, I need to get myself right so that I am not sick and I have some money and I'm not, I can eat food. You know what I mean? Instead of going, hey, the reason we're really fighting is for an eternity. God, the principles we learn in this fight with these pieces of armor are teaching us how God operates and how to fight and work efficiently for him. Amen? Okay. So this type of fighting will not come easy. Look at what 1 Corinthians 9 says. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. And in verse 24, he says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. The word discipline. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. That's what we're fighting for. I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing here. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Verse 27 said, I discipline my body... I make it do what it needs to do and what it should be doing. That requires work, and we have to get it in our minds that if we want to be good at the spiritual battle, if we want to take a a, a full advantage of what Christ did on the cross, we need to know that this is not going to be an easy road. It's going to be a tough road, but we've got to face it with that knowing that we've got to work hard. Uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.7, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I want you to notice something. If you take out that middle part, it says, I fought the good fight. So fighting the good fight produced keeping faith. So fighting related to faith. Fight 
faith. There's a correlation there. I've fought the good fight. He worked hard. He kept the faith. So there's a fight, an energy of, of a battle heart in all of us to keep God's faith, to trust him our whole life. Number three, another principle we need to learn in going into this spiritual armor or completing the spiritual armor series is we need to be advancing on the enemy's ground. And I really, as I was thinking about this this week, uh, God really, uh, I, I think, wants to challenge some of us in this room that if we're living our Christian life, but we are not taking any ground, we're just kind of in neutral, we're kind of in that, that, that Christian pause, like, okay, I'm not going to go sin, but I'm not going to really fight hard. I'm just going to, can I just pause right now and for the next 10 years? Because I, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Are you with me? So we can't do the pause button, guys. In fact, God, in his word, rebukes people in the Old Testament and the New Testament for hitting the pause button. For thinking that it's okay just to exist and not to advance. We should all be advancing in our walk with Christ. We should all be getting closer and stronger and experiencing more of God. In the Old Testament, in uh, Joshua, or yeah, Joshua 18, Joshua, through the Lord, rebuked the children of Israel for not having possessed the land that God gave them. So they had gone in and had battles, and there was uh, there's actually two or three parts where uh, Joshua and, and or the Lord says, why haven't they taken their land yet? So they went in the land, they got comfortable, they conquered a few enemies. Hey, we're doing pretty good. You know, that's kind of like Christians that, oh, I'm saved. Yeah, I read my Bible last year. It was pretty cool. And, but, you know, and they get settled in and they never go for that destiny that God's promised them, the callings that God's calling people to in this life to get to and to work in and help other people get free. Man, God wants you to be there. So God rebuked Christians for not taking their land. And then Paul mirrors that in the New Testament in Hebrews 5. And you may have heard this section of Scripture. It's kind of interesting. It says in Hebrews 5.11, there is much more uh, we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are, are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. And we th we're pretty sure this is Paul in Hebrews, but he's, the, the writer goes on to say, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching other people. Come on. Instead of doing what you should be doing, you need someone to teach you again. And not just teach you again, but teach you the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Matilda, I didn't mean that personal. It's okay. You can eat this. The, you don't have to eat solid food yet. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what's right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have, uh, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So Paul, most likely, is rebuking the church for not growing up. You hit the pause button, you got saved, and then you just checked the box and then started living your life however you wanted to live, and that's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is to press in, advance, and take the kingdom. Yeah. And as we talk about that point, think of armor. Remember we said what was crucial about the armor? We said what was crucial about the armor, that it was for advancing. The armor was designed to not have much protection on this side. 
Because if your enemy's there, you shouldn't be doing this. And you shouldn't be going, hey, how's it going? Uh, there's a, he's, he's, yeah, he's pointing his arrow at me right now, but hey, let's watch football. Hey, uh, I'm not dogging football. I'm just saying. We get distracted, get on pause, and we're not alert and aware, but our armor is made, made, our spiritual armor is made to aggressively go towards our enemy. Why? To take, fight, strike, and take over. That's what it's designed for. So if you want to learn how to spiritually fight, you've got to click that mindset in and go, man, I just can't sit around and, you know, gosh, another day, another uh, TV series isn't really going to help me do that. Another week of sitting on my backside and not digging into God's word and not being passionate about the things of God is not going to get me there. We all make those choices every day. And then number four. Thinking about this armor is simple. Don't fight alone. We talked about that early in, I think, October in our spiritual warfare um, series. Don't fight alone, guys. This battle, when you have this armor, it is not designed to be a lone, you know, maverick. It is designed to go together shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, side to side with people to fight your enemy. And check out, I know you know the scripture where Paul talks about the body, but you're designed to operate in the context of a body. Don't ever forget that. You're, you're designed, God made you when you get saved, to work and, and, and be aggressive in the spirit in a body. Because think of your body. If one, remember Paul says, if the ear says to the hand, you know, what are you doing? We don't need you and the eye and all that. Remember that? Does everyone remember that scripture? Yep. Should we read it? Or are you guys good? You guys remember that, right? So every part of the body is important, and that they all need to work together. But think of how every portion of the body is protected when it's part of the body. There's a protection when you're in the body. There's more strength when you're in the body. Relate that to spiritual warfare, guys. There's more strength. When we go together at this, we're stronger so if you're struggling with something in your life, you're not over to, uh, overcome some temptation or sin or something's going on where you can't get uh, a victory over it, don't stand there alone. Don't isolate yourself. Don't be afraid to be open and, re- and live in the light and say, God, shine on me. Get some people around you to help because you can take on the enemy better with friends. That's how spiritual warfare is meant to be. So don't fight alone. And you know what else is great about the body? The body is actually a magnificent piece of art, artistry that can heal itself. And if the, the body naturally will heal itself. It has a defense system. It has healing components. It's amazing. The body can heal itself. So only in the body is there true healing available and sometimes we get out of the body or we're going to be isolated and alone and people don't, oh, well, I don't need church. Yeah, you do. Not in a building necessarily, but you need to be plugged into a healthy body. A healthy body of believers because that's where true healing can come in. Not just physical, but emotionally and mentally healing can come to you from past hurts, from the, the things that people have done to you in the past. God can come in and heal, but that takes place in the body. Why? God designed it that way because he wants you to be in the, he knows what, he knows how you are. He knows how I am. We need to be with each other. 
bearing each other's burdens. Amen? So those are just four principles that I wanted to remind us as we get back into this armor series about why we're fighting what we're fighting for. Amen? Are you with me? Is that good? Feel encouraged a little? Okay. So let's move on. So now, as we continue to get back in the the, uh, spiritual armor series, let's recall some of the principles that helped us fight good. Who wants to be a good spiritual fighter? Right? Who wants to... And wouldn't it be great if you could, as you should be going on and growing in the faith, that when things come up and obstacles come and spiritual things come up, that, that you're not shocked by it. And you don't have like, you know, sometimes when something happens and something goes wrong with the wife or husband or the kids do something crazy or work, something bad's going down there and you feel like you get run over by a Mack truck and it kind of takes you three, four days, week, whatever. And you're, you're kind of dazed and confused. And then it's like, wait a minute, I don't have to do this. We want that time to shrink and even go the other way to where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. This has happened to me, and it can happen to you, and the Holy Spirit can show you things so that when you come to a problem, your spirit man already knows what's in front of you that day. Have you ever faced, and some of you may have, have you ever faced a problem and you just felt totally ready and prepared for it, and it didn't phase you like it had phased you in the past? That's the Holy Spirit showing you things to come so your spirit, your mind and attitude is ready to take that on. And so, man, in the past, man, I'd react this way and it would have been a bad day. But now, like, no, I see you coming. That's the Holy Spirit working us and he can do that. He can help us see that. So I want to look at some important principles to help us fight. Um, So A, God's armor is designed to enable you to charge your enemy. We talked about this a little bit, but listen to this. Charge your enemy block his weaponry, strike your enemy, and the last, last fill in there is, and utterly destroy him. Pretty aggressive, isn't it? You're like, man, this pastor's going, man, fighting and beating people. In the spirit, you better, you better believe it. King David said in Psalms for, for, for hell and the hell's kingdom, he has a perfect hatred for sin. King David said that, I have a perfect hatred for sin. So in the spirit, we can have that aggressive hate towards that because God told us in the New Testament too, right? Abhor evil. Abhor it. Cling to good. So we, in the spirit, we have to have that, that mentality of going in and utterly destroying the enemy of our life. Just like in the promised land, God said, I, I want nothing living in that promised land. Everything in there has been marked. Kill it. Now, we can get more into that theory there, but the the point is that God said, nothing lives. God says the same thing to you in your spiritual walk where you need to go into your land and the promises and you need to wipe out everything that is not in alignment with God. Every thought pattern, every habit, everything in your life that doesn't measure up to God's word, get rid of it. Paul said he disciplines the body. He cuts it off. He gets rid of it. You got to get rid of that. You got to have that mentality towards it if you want to be victorious fighting spiritually. Amen? Okay. Are you guys still with me? All right. Good. So God's armor is designed for you to charge your enemy, block his weaponry, strike the enemy, and utterly destroy him. That's your mindset. B, next one, the the armor is not physical. This is kind of an obvious one, but sometimes we miss this. It's, It's not a physical armor. We know that, but it must be used to fight spiritual battles. Your armor is not to fight other people. Sometimes we can use good godly things to fight other people in the flesh and with our words, and that's not good. We want to fight spiritual battles. The battle, and this battle is over what you believe to be true. 
Catch that. These battles are over what you're believing to be true or not true. Will you believe God's truth or the enemy's lies? Because that's really the battlefield in a simplistic form, is whether or not you're going to believe God's truth or the enemy's lie. Sometimes the enemy's lie isn't as obvious to us, though. So, it, it, you know, most of us think, well, that's easy. If the enemy's lying to me, I'm not going to, you know, talking, I'm not going to believe him. But sometimes he comes and he dresses up as an angel and he pretends to be stuff he's not so he can be deceptive. But the, the, the battle is over truth and lies. Remember what we said and you're feeling there. Remember the devil, if the devil can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. Remember that? That's an important principle, guys. If he can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. And we talked about that with the helmet of salvation. And then your second bullet point there too, remember that the enemy can only bring into your life what you allow. What you allow and what you're believing for. Do you know that if you're operating in fear, you are exercising faith for the negative to happen in your life? If you're operating in fear, if you're anxious and worried and fearful and your mind's troubled and you're, all, you're thinking of a negative thing to happen and you don't take captive of that thought, you are operating in a spirit of fear and that is negative faith. So in faith, right, we believe for the good things of God to come into our lives, right? right? Fear is exercising faith in hell's kingdom. When you operate or think in fear... The Bible says over 450 times, church, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Don't trouble your hearts. Don't be anxious. It's a big deal. And it is, it is sin. You know that, right? To op, be in fear and anxiety, and that's, that is sin. So that keeps us from God's fullness. So we have to realize that we, the enemy can only bring into our life what we allow him and what we're believing for. What's coming out your mouth? Is your mouth matching the confessions of God's word? Does your mouth and what's, what comes out your mouth match what God's word says about you? Do the words that come out of your mouth about you match what God says about you? Think about that. Do your words match what God's word says about others? Maybe a husband, wife, son, daughter, friend, kids. Your words are over them and spoken over them better match God's word else you're operating out of fear and lies and you're speaking death over your children, friends, and spouses. Life and death is held in the power of the tongue. You better speak life over your spouse. You better not put down your kids. If you, speak, if you put down your kids and tell them, man, you're no good for nothing, you're cursing your child. You are speaking death over them. So we, our mouths have to match because what's coming out our mouth is an indicator of what our heart is believing, right? So whatever we're speaking has got to match. So remember that. The armor must be put on. Remember we talked about the word put on where it was, remember the endowment of the Holy Spirit? The same Greek word was when the Holy Spirit will endue you with power and it was like covering and immersing in a pool or jacket. All the armor has to be put on, and especially the first three pieces are specifically said to put on. And this concept indicates a new mindset or a new or unique way of perceiving yourself. 
So it's a mindset. It's how you look at yourself. You have to put on these pieces of armor to help you see better. It's kind of like, like putting on 3D glasses. It changes the way you see what you before thought was different. So when you're looking at the screen, you, it looks all weird, but then when you put on the glasses, it comes to life. And when we, get, we take on the mindset, when we put on these attributes of spiritual armor, it helps us see things differently than we've seen them before. And so that's why when we put on the belt of truth and the helmet and the breastplate and all the things we're going to talk about, it, it's, a, it's all different types of mindsets and perceptions that you need to have about yourself. It's like putting on glasses so you see yourself in a different light. The spiritual armor helps you see yourself and, uh, and others more clearly and gives you a new, new mindset so that you can skillfully handle challenges that come your way and win. Just say that to yourself. I am a, vict I'm a victor in Christ. Do you believe that? Say it. I'm a victor in Christ. Now say it like it's true and you believe it. I am a victor in Christ. Are you? Believe it. All right, so let's review the first two pieces of armor. So the first one is helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation. We talked about that first, even though, remember, the belt was the first thing, right? The first thing. But we skipped. We went to the end. We put the helmet on because the helmet protects the real you. Remember, the mind, the mind is where the real battle was, and we talked about your mind being the battlefield, and that protection of that helmet protects that because that's where the battle's starting is the thought, the great, the, the great thought caster that casts thoughts in your mind and tries to get you to bite on the bait to, for you to believe things that aren't true. And so the enemy we talked about will attack here first. He's after, guys, your relationship with the Father, we talked about that, that it's important because your relationship to the Father is key. And remember, remember we asked some questions about, are you really saved? Do you know that? And we got into a whole discussion on salvation, to be sure that you're saved. Because we know that the enemy was going to cast those thoughts, and if that helmet's not on, the enemy's going to come in and say, did it really work? You prayed that prayer, but look at how you're still acting. Maybe you're not saved. So remember the questions and the doubting, we talked about how the helmet of salvation gives you a new perspective to see that and to go, no, God loves me. We talked about the assurity of God, that it wasn't about your efforts or works, but it was all through God's grace that he loved you and saved you out of his pure love for you, and nothing you could do or ever do would save you. We said this, doubting, and this is a fill in your notes, doubting your salvation is like taking your helmet off during a battle. Remember? Doubting your salvation, coming into doubt, is like taking your helmet off during the battle. The belt of truth, let's talk about the belt of truth. So the helmet of salvation, belt of truth. Now remember the belt of truth, what's that? That was the first piece of armor we talked about, right? That's the first thing they put on. And the belt of truth gives you a standard to keep you from deception. So we talked about the fact that God's word is truth. And when he speaks it, it's absolute truth. It never returns void. It always accomplishes what it's set out to do. But the standard of the belt of truth protects us from deception. Because the enemy wants to deceive us. This world wants to deceive us. Wants us to think a certain way. But remember, it was the first piece you put on. And it was also one of the pieces that you need to put on. And it was already past tense like it should be done. It's a foundational. You see, the belt is a foundational piece of the armor. 
And think about this. The three pieces that are foundational to the armor is the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes. Those are the first three things they put on. And those are a foundation because without the foundation, the sword and the shield and then the helmet aren't good unless your foundation's set. So that's why it's important on these three to know that these are foundational principles that we believe and understand because it's, you're only as good as your foundation is. So those first three are important, and they're not more important, but they are, in a sense, they, the first three help the second three be, be all the more powerful. So the belt of truth is the foundation. And remember, each piece of the Armor shows us cheat codes or tactics of the enemy. It teaches us what the enemy is going to come against. We talked about the helmet and your security with God, knowing who, who you are in Christ, knowing you're saved. The belt, we talked about the fact that it keeps you in truth and from being deceived, right? And so I want you to understand today that the enemy's goal is to deviate you from the truth. And to cheat you out of what is rightfully yours. So the belt of truth fighting against the concept of deviation. Truth is the standard. It's the plumb line. We do everything off the plumb line, God's word. So if anything, a lie comes in, we'll recognize it because it's not in alignment with God's word. And that, the belt of truth, will keep us from deviating and being cheated out of what rightfully ours what, remember, we talked about we fought, we were fighting for what God has already done. All right, let's move on. Oh, see, quick glance. Okay, thank you. Kelly, what'd you say? Yes, let me see that real quick. I don't want you guys to miss on that. Oh, yeah, that's an older one. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on, though. All right. I want to look at the breastplate of righteousness. And write down this proverb, Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The breastplate of righteousness, and even just the breastplate alone, is what protects our vital organs. And it does protect mainly, one of our main ones is our heart. And remember that this piece of armor, the breastplate, is something that you have to put on. We talked about that it being a foundational piece. And it protects our heart, not only our in the physical, it protects the physical heart, but it really protects our spiritual heart. Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, but he also said, out of the heart comes all this crazy stuff. Because sometimes the heart and the mind could be interchangeable in the Bible, where it, it, you know, the, the battlefield we know is in our mind, but sometimes the Bible speaks of our heart, because that's where our emotions sit and, and who we really are sits. But my question was really, and is to you, what is the breastplate really protecting here? Because in order to know the enemy's tactic, we ask the question, what is the breastplate protecting? Well, the breastplate is protecting our heart, of course, 
but in that, how God really sees us. It's protecting our view and our status with God. You ever check your step? God, how are we doing? Our heart's measuring that. How am I with God? Is it good? Is, does it change? And a lot of us, it does change. You know, the word righteousness comes from, it's a, a, a judicial or a court type word that talks about a judicial verdict. But, it, but the word actually means divine approval or God's judicial approval. And it's kind of said in this way, the approval of God, it refers to what is deemed right by the Lord after his examination, i.e. what is approved in his eyes. So are we righteous? Are you in right standing with God? And so we think about the breastplate protecting our standing with God. That the enemy, that tells me if we have to put something over something to protect it, it tells me that the enemy is going to try and take that piece out. So the enemy is really trying to throw arrows and hit you in your heart to question you and to get you into doubt about how, how you're standing with God is or isn't. And see, do you see why that's such a foundational piece to your armor? Because if you don't know where you stand with God, you can't have faith. If you're not sure day to day where you are and what he thinks about you, you can't believe. And so the breastplate is protecting our heart, and it's how God really sees us. What is our status with God? What is God thinking about us? Listen to this in 1 John 3. 1 John 3, John's talking about faith and believing, and, and, and whether or not our heart, in this scripture we're going to read, the word heart is used four times, and it's interesting. So let's read this together and, and take this apart. 1 John 3, 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For wherever, for whenever our heart condemns us, anyone ever have their heart condemn them? Oh, what did you just do? You know, you, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Whew, who would like more confidence with God? I mean, I think we all would say yes and amen. Like, yeah, I want more confidence with God. And it says there, if our hearts condemn us not, we will have more confidence. So the key thing in there is like, how do I get my heart to not be condemned? We'll get back to that in a sec. Verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we have confidence and we're exercising faith because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. I, I see this and I go, man, what a simple formula. I kind of like scriptures when they get formulaic to a way where it just makes it easy. Like, wait, if our hearts condemn us not, we have confidence towards God. So all I got to do is go, how can I get more of my heart to stop condemning me. Well, how does that work? And then my confidence will grow. Well, if we know, back to the breastplate, if we know how God thinks about us, then our hearts can't condemn us. Because how do we get condemned? Oh, man, you sure blew that one. Oh, man, gosh. Man, how embarrassing. Don't tell anyone what you did. And your heart, and your heart believes that. 
in your heart, the emotional part of your heart. Oh, man. So you heard that thought, and you start, you start playing with it and toying with it, and maybe you're going to latch onto this statement and believe it. And that's when your heart goes, yeah, you know, you really did blow it. How embarrassing. If anyone knew what you just thought, wow, they would really think you're, how could, you're, you're in church even. You say you're a Christian, but you did that? Are you with me? We, we all experience it. We all know what that's like. But the breastplate is put there on purpose by us by changing our mindset to see that we have to know if we want to walk in confidence what God thinks about us and we have to be settled on the matter. The problem is too many Christians aren't settled. A, a day or two, no, God loves me, I'm going to go for it. And then a few days later, like, oh my God, I'm blown. You know what I mean? Up and down. It's got to be a settled matter that no matter what you do, God loves you and has forgiven you, and he's paid for your sin. You've got to make that assumption that God's view of you is in Christ. There is no time that God is going to look at you and think something bad about you because you are in Christ. Are you with me? That's got to be settled in your heart. If it's not, you need to get it settled, else you're going to go like this. Oh, my heart's condemning me. I have no confidence in God. Oh, now I feel good about myself. I've done two days. I've read the Bible three days in a row, and I didn't get mad at so-and-so. I have confidence today. And then, oh, shoot, I did something else. And then another week of no confidence. Up and down, up and down, because your confidence is based on your performance. God is not a God who requires you to perform. That was the old, the bad part of the law was that no one could perform and meet all the requirements of the law. But God said, hey, look at Christ. He's going to live the perfect life for you, facing every temptation you face, but yet without sin. He's going to conquer it all, and now I'm going to put you in him. So when I see you, I see a perfect performance. Do you believe that when you look in the mirror? That's hard sometimes. But by faith in what God said in his word, you have to look in the mirror and say, you are perfect in Christ. You have performed. It's exciting. How happy are you guys when your kids perform? They do what you tell them to do or whatever. It's an exciting thing. God even made it better. We can perform at times, but that's not based on how he feels about us. We can perform good. It doesn't mean that now you can just do whatever you want because you're in Christ. And hey, I'm in Christ. I'm perfect. Uh, no need to try anymore. <laughs> Let's go to McDonald's and eat some nuggets. And then, you know. No, we still, we don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we're saved. Are you with me? And that's important. You got to know this. And we're protecting the heart, the breastplate. The thinking is, is that the enemy is going to try and come in and question this and attack your heart because that dictates where your life goes. But if your heart doesn't condemn you, you're going to have confidence towards God and not walk in that condemnation from the enemy, but the sweet, loving conviction of the Holy Spirit would help you change and, and go into new, new life. But your heart will be pure. Your heart will tell you where to go. And you'll be a more powerful Christian because you're protecting this. You're protecting your heart from the lies of the enemy. 
The word condemn, it's kind of an interesting word. <laughs> I was re- reading through that and I was like, wow. Listen to the definition. To find a decisively guilty, someone guilty, and on the basis of direct personal acquaintance. Specifically, condemned by having firsthand awareness of the facts. To charge as guilty with specific facts. Who's the accuser of you? The enemy said he's the accuser of the brethren. The enemy, and he's, he's the enemy, the, there's demonic beings in the world. There's thousands, millions of them. So they see you do something. Oh, God, did you see what she just did? They're accusing. They're trying to bring, they're trying to condemn you. Oh, because it's performance-based with them. They think, oh, you broke the law, you're done. You one sin, you fall short in one part of the law, it's like breaking the whole thing. But we say, nope. Someone condemns us. You know, the enemy likes to keep records. Love keeps no records of wrong. Hell keeps every single record of wrong. Love never fails. Hell always fails. Anyway. The enemy is going to keep track, and he's going to get in your heart, and he's going to try and say stuff to you and condemn you and bring you down so it lowers your confidence in God. You've got to be the one. And I'm sorry, but God's not going to, he's going to help you do this, but this is something you have to do. God's done all, you can't, don't wait for, oh God, I'm feeling condemned. Show up and do something. No, God's not going to do that. God's already finished his work. He's done, he's given you everything you need, church, for life and godliness. Everything you need to be successful spiritually and physically, God has enabled you and given you, it's done. So it is your job now to put on the breastplate and say, no, I don't agree with that thought. I'm not letting that into my heart. I'm not going to meditate on that in my heart. It's not going to direct my path anymore. That thought is a lie. I reject you. Get out in the name of Jesus. You don't align with God. I'm not going to take that condemnation. I don't care the list you have. Hell, I don't care the list you have on all my failures. You know why? Because Jesus paid for every one of them, past, present, future. That's not, my, my status with God is not based upon your stupid list. My status with God, whether God loves me or not, is based on Christ's performance. And you know what? He ain't got no list. So you take his list. Are you with me? I get mad when I, I, I want people to be free so bad and I see so many people being suckered in and deceived into playing the game with the enemy and getting deceived away from their fullness in Christ. It just hurts my heart because I've been there and I, I fight that battle too, but I want to get people to a place where we're like kicking his, we should be advancing our kingdom instead of being beat back, beat back, beat back. Oh, surrender. Oh, I hope Jesus comes and hurries. I hope the rapture comes real quick. I'm just, <laughs> how pathetic. Are, are you serious? God is coming back for a victorious church. Amen. Not a whimpering, oh my God, I can't do it. I know. Well, that's not what God wants. God's coming back for a bride dressed and ready in white, meaning they are walking in righteousness. They are walking in who they are and their identity through Christ. Are you with me? That's what I want to be a part of a Rivers Church that we all together decide we're going to start advancing on the kingdom of hell instead of whimpering back, 
taking the blows and not saying anything. Over. We've got to advance. We've got to take God's word seriously and push forward. You know, I want to note this too. Condemnation does come from the enemy in those thoughts. But I want you to think about this because sometimes we can almost, it's all seated and rooted in the enemy, but sometimes we can blame the enemy too much and not take responsibility ourselves. Because a lot of the times we get so programmed in the way that we think that the enemy doesn't have to do anything. The enemy's got us so triggered to respond to things that he doesn't have to say anything. It just happens and we automatically go to the negative. We automatically fall to the negative of what we've been programmed. And I mean, talk about our minds being renewed over time to act a certain way and to respond to situations and things a certain way that the enemy doesn't have to do anything anymore. We're so programmed that we automatically just give in. Oh yeah, I better do this. I've, you know, trying to get healed or relationships or get free or whatever. And we just, we start, we fight, and then we give up so quickly because we're programmed that way. So we need to take responsibility and begin to take that up, knowing that, yes, it's all rooted in the enemy, in, from hell, but we need to take our responsibility and start standing up for ourselves and go, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> you know the most powerful thing in the world? Your will. It's the only thing God said, I'm going to give you a free will. Thanks. That's powerful. You have the power to do anything you want. You have to suffer the consequences, good or bad, for that, but you have that, and God's given you that. So he wants you to exercise that will and choose to walk in victory. This attack on the, on the breastplate of righteousness is all geared towards your performance and earning God's approval. I want, you to, I want you to leave with that today. I want you to know that when you are attacked and the, the piece of this armor is going to deflect and defend those thoughts and those heart, heart thoughts about your performance, your, your heart is a vital organ, guys. What you think God thinks is vital to your life. What, how you think God views you is vital to your life. It is your heart. The breastplate will protect your competence towards God in your security with him and your status with him. That's what it's protecting. And hell's strategies to fight that is that he will be saying you must perform to gain or earn God's approval. You have to earn it. That's what, that will be his mantra, is that you've got to perform and earn God's acceptance. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you today. We, we're so thankful, God, that we don't have to we don't have to take what the enemy's dishing out. God, we're so thankful today that you have given us your heart in us. Your word says that you by faith through Christ have given us new hearts. And so God, we thank you that our hearts are from you and powerful and that we can have victory in our heart life, Lord, in our in the most intricate vital part of our being, Lord, that we can have security in you. And Lord, we thank you, God, that we don't have to perform for you. We thank you, God, that you performed for us through your son, Jesus Christ, and that we can live by faith through that. Lord, we're so grateful for that. We're so thankful. So we pray, God, today that you will continue to teach us, the Rivers Church, Lord, our family, how to be victorious warriors in this kingdom, Lord, with the sole purpose, God, of bringing you glory, and in that glory, Lord, 
bringing people to the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of Christ, becoming born again. Lord, we want to grow the, your kingdom, God, with new believers. So God, we just, we're thankful, God. And I ask right now with every head bowed and eye closed. And Lord, if you're here today and, and you've heard some words about righteousness and, or you're standing with God and you know in your heart that you're, you don't think you're in right standing with God, if that's you and you want to get in right standing with God, I want to pray with you today. So I'm asking anybody right now, if you feel like you're not in the right standing with God and you want to, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. We'll pray corporately. I want to pray with you to make sure that you know you're in right standing with God and that you don't ever have to debate that question again. It can be, today can be the day where that's decided. Is there anyone here today that say, yeah, Pastor Doug, that's me. I'm, I love God, but I just feel like I don't know if I'm in right standing. I don't really know how he feels about me. We can settle that once and for all today. Does anyone here say, yeah, that's me? Anyone else? Well, let's, I'm going to pray for that. Lord God, I just pray, God, that you would fill our hearts with confidence. Lord, and we just, we accept the fact that your life, Jesus, was enough for me. And Lord, we accept the fact that you lived a perfect life in my place, and then you died and sacrificed your life so that I could be in that life and, and have that life as my very own. So God, I thank you for that. And I, I just declare today, Lord, that from today on, I'm gonna trust your word that says you love me and that you've paid for all my sins and I don't have to worry or be in fear anymore. So I believe that with all my heart, God. And I'm asking that you just come into my life, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. I turn from all sin. I repent, I turn away from the things that bring death and I turn to those things that give me life. I choose you, God. I choose life. I choose to believe in you. And I ask that all in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 Hey, God bless you guys. Love you. Sorry. I, I'm not sorry, but I kind of like, I know I get intense. And, huh? Yeah. Well, no, that was the promo today. Yeah. Um, I know I get intense, but I want you to interpret that intensity is because I really do Believe it or not, I love you guys and I want God's best for you. And sometimes I know for me, I need someone to tell me like it is. And I hope that you'll take that with a right grain of salt and ask the Holy Spirit to promote that in your life and grow that in you. Amen? Amen. All right. Give someone a hug or a high five before you go, okay? See you next week. Yeah, if you want some uh, financial peace information, talk to Mark and Leanne and get signed up. Um, so you can take the class with me and Jen. We're taking it too, so we'll see you there. <laughs>